Thanks for joining us for this second hour here on My Talk 1071, where we talk about all things food and fun and entertainment. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese. Hello, my friends. It's so nice to be here. Isn't it fun? I love hanging out here. I know I've missed you guys. I was I like, know. summer got a little bit away from me. So it I'm did. happy to be with you this week and then next week. Yeah. No, it's going to be great. Filling in for Steph Hansen as she travels the world in a van. In a van. I know that breaks down every once in a while and. But I'm surprised it's kept chugging, so I, I feel good about that. I think this is good. It's an, it shows it's an adventurous spirit, which I think is wonderful. Right? I know. It's so good. So guess what time it is, guys? It's time for Top 2 in Hour 2. Giving the old one two. One, two, one, two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents... Top 2, Top 2. The Top 2. Pick your best two. In Hour 2. All right, give me two. With it, with it. All right, this is the time of the show that we talk about two things that we are kind of loving or obsessed with. This week, what do you got? What's your first one? Well, number one, I have something that you brought yesterday, which is uh, the jalapeno cheese pretzels at Angel Food Bakery. (laughs) This is a thing. So you brought in a whole bunch of really wonderful, giant, um, soft, fabulous, soft pretzels. Yep. Um, in celebration of Oktoberfest, we were talking about this on our fall fun themed episode of Twin Cities Live yesterday. Yeah. And these, we could not believe, and all of the pretzels that you brought were over the top good. They I mean, were, they so, were good. so good. Let me just say, don't eat bad pretzels, you guys. You oh. don't have to eat those ones that taste like they came out of the freezer case and then they are like a little bit freezer burned. Yes. We have great pretzels in town. And then get lots of dipping sauces to yeah. go with it. But if you want a pretzel that you don't even need a dipping sauce with, you get the pretzels from Angel Food Bakery. <laughs> In Minneapolis. And we've had... You've had Katie on forever. Katie Gertis is on the show all the time. And I go to Angel Food Bakery. I mean, like, we shoot things there. We've shot, um, you know, photo... We've done photo shoots there when we've needed... We just did a cover of a calendar there. Did you really? So we are often at Angel Food Bakery. And Katie was on just this week making... um, Bana, wait, Banafis, which is this. Banafi. Banafi? Bana, what did we say it? I've said it I wrong. I would say Banafi. Is that totally wrong? I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. It's this wonderful British dessert. Mm-hmm. And she made it in a little um, jar and it was fantastic. But I did not know that she was making these jalapeno cheese pretzels that are like over the top. I've been thinking about them ever since. And I'm thinking like I might need to drive down there today um, to get them yeah. and bring them home. Yeah. Because they have like massive chunks of cream cheese in the pretzel and then the cheese kind of melts as they bake and gets like a little bit crispy on the bottom and then Mm -hmm. big bright pieces of jalapeno and they were unbelievable (laughs) they're jalapeno cream cheese popper pretzel yes it is unbelievable that they are like and then just so you're clear they have a regular butter and sea salt one and those are the most buttery those were like almost brioche you know when we bit into our three different kinds and the salt that she uses is phenomenal it's like a malden it's like a malden sea salt which is like a flake and you like bite into the little crisps of the salt yeah they also have just to be clear bacon cheddar chive Hello. They have three cheese. And then this is one I think you'd love. Roasted red onion, rosemary, and goat cheese. Totally on board. I I just want all of these pretzels. They're open until 3 p.m. today. You (laughs) You are literally going there. I think you are. Yeah, where you can go there and you can get the pretzels. But I love, um, you know, if if you're maybe more of a savory person than a sweet person. Yeah. This is what you should get. Yeah. Gosh, it's good. I know it's so good. I just, I was just thinking that you can buy. I used to, when my kids were in German club and stuff, I would bring these home, you know, for like German club stuff because that was the best 
And I do love the ones that we had um, also from um, Aki's Bread House. Aki's Bread House, they were so good. And, and then also the one from um, Glick's. That huge one. Like go bready. in there and bready hang and out, get a big bready. Yes. And then dip it in the, and they, whatever cheesy oh, thing they have is their always so beer good. beer cheese sauce with that was like the most legit thing. Over I the top good. Okay, Politics. so that's my first okay. thing. What's yours? My first one is actually Solera, which is back for a very short, small time, um, which is, of course, through the Travail Boys. So Great. on Saturday, or I'm sorry, hi, Thursday, I went to, so you know the Travail Residency in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. they're at the the old Auriga space. Yep, I just walked past, or drove past it yesterday. So the last iteration, the last, you know, they've done... You know, they did last one was a Mexican themed qua is what it was. And then before that, it was the Arriga, um sort of relaunch. So they decided that Solera would be their last one before they head back up to Robbinsdale and relaunch their space up there. But it is, you know, Tim McKee and his, you know, Solera of what that was back in the day, the Spanish tapas place. Did you ever go there? Do you remember being there? Or are you too young? I never went there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. It did close. I, I mean, I knew about it yeah. and I know, but I, I think I wasn't really living here when it was in its like heyday. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was like, I remember it being, you know, the moments of like, wow, we can have tapas. Yeah. <laughs> and like the Spanish food when, you know, all everybody was talking about Spanish food and like little bocarones and little, you know, like the egg tortilla kind of things. And lots of ham. Olive. So much ham. So much ham. So much manchego cheese. Bring oh. on the manchego. Oh my God. Which I know. I love manchego. I know. But that didn't exist in our culture until people got really excited about Spain. Great. So Solera is, you know, and some of the best chefs in town came from there. You know, they all kind of like J.P. Samuelson and Matt Bickford, you know, who was at Ice House and yeah. all the rest of all those guys. You know, they all kind of had this like time at Solera. And um, so anyway, they're relaunching it. They're doing a tasting menu thing, which they do. Uh, so you can buy tickets for it and you can go and you get all these great little little bites, you know, on the boards. And then you go into the back and then you get like there's meat hanging from hangers. Yeah. And you take them off the chandelier and you wrap them and, you know, in things and you have clams. And it's just it's a really fun, innovative experience. And um, you, it's a ticketed thing. But if you don't want to get reservations, you can always just go sit at the bar. Great. So you can pop into the bar, get a whole bunch of cocktails, and they're doing small little tasty cocktails. Fun. And then you can get all the other, what they're calling, like, um, what are those? Pinchos, which are like those little snacks. Great. Yeah. So that's Solera at Travail. At Travail, which is in the old... Orega space. Right. Lowry Hill, right next right. to Birch. Yeah. Actually, right next to Lowry Hill Meats. Yes. Like, sharing a wall. Exactly. Yeah. Easy to find. Good stuff. It's like zip off the freeway and you're right there. Seriously. Okay, what's your second? You don't even have to go that deep into uptown. No, you don't, and you really can park. Happy. There is parking. We love that. <laughs> love okay, the second it. thing is this taco truck. Oh, yes. Now, I told you about this. Have you been here yet? I have not. All right. It is called, I'm, uh, I'm even hesitant to mention it because I just like, don't, I don't know want people to get... if it's going to be a crazy line. But right. then I feel like that's selfish and I would never do that here on the Weekly Dish. Right. It's called Sabroso. And it's Sabroso Tacos and Burritos. And it happens to sit on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul, right in the parking lot of the laundromat. It's so flippin' good. It's got a cute little chili pepper with like a big mustache on it. And a sombrero. And a sombrero. So it's just this like kind of, I mean, it's like a spray painted on truck. Yeah. It does not look like a super fancy shishi food or drink truck like the ones that we see all over that look so Instagrammable. Yeah. It does not look Instagrammable. mm -mm, mm -mm. It just looks like a truck. So we've driven past this. We drive past it every single day. 
for years and years and um, not years and years, days and days, days and days. And um, my husband finally said, I'm going to stop at this. And my husband is like a taco connoisseur. He is 50% Mexican. He is straight, like wants great tacos all the time. Yeah. His mom would make amazing tacos in we like... We all remember... And her tortilla soup. Yes. And her tortilla soup yeah, is the legend, greatest It's in the legendary. World. So um, he stopped there and picked up these tacos and he got a bunch of... He got some um, uh, al pastor, so the pork with the pineapple, and then he also got um, carne asada tacos and then he brought home a burrito and... We all have lost our minds over these tacos. <laughs> so now we're going like at least once a week. Are you really? And um, we stop in and Jay pulls in with the babies yeah. in the back seat and just gets out and orders the tacos, goes back in the car, waits till the order is ready and then brings them home. And they are phenomenal. And Again, do they know you now? Or are they I, like, I hey. mean, they might know Jay. I yeah. don't go. He's the one who just He's stops and picks it up because he does pickup duty. So it's Sabroso Tacos and Burritos. It's basically like if you're in the hood and you're on Marshall and you see this little funny looking taco truck in front of a laundromat. And it's by what is where is it closest? Like um, Marshall and Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's right. There's the Marshall stop is a gas station there. And then there's a Marshall liquor store. And then there's the laundromat. And yeah. it's like just sits right in front of there. Okay. And you I just love pull that. into the parking lot. You go up to the window and you get tacos and burritos and you live a more pleasant life. A better existence. I have to tell you that they have lingua. Which is tongue. At least Great. on their Facebook, they have the La Lengua. I mean, I didn't even find like a website for them. Yeah. I just found their Facebook their page. Their Facebook is good. But they have like, and they have like, it looks, re- and my favorite thing is I just want cilantro and chopped onions. And that's, that's all it. I want. That's it. That's all I want. And maybe like if you have got a salsa, put that on there or some pineapple. They give you like little things of a bunch of salsas yeah. that are hot, hot and wonderful. Yeah. Like I want the tacos right now. I suit now that we're talking. I really actually want those tacos right mm-hmm. now. They open That's up. That's amazing. They yeah. do? Okay. <laughs> Got other things. All right. So I'm just going to tell you, funny that we talked about soup a little bit, but there is, I'm going to put up this recipe, you guys, for this Instant Pot bean beef and corn meatball soup. Ooh. I know. I don't know why. This just like stuck in my brain. Instant Pot beef and corn albondigas soup. And so it just looked so good. And I just, I don't know what it is, but it's basically... Um, Got a smoky bacon cumin chipotle flavor to it. Great. Does that not seem like fall in its essence? Totally. And yeah. it's, so it's ground beef and bacon yeah. that are that are you make these meatballs. Yeah. I like the idea. See, here's the deal. I don't I like meatballs by themselves. Mm-hmm. I just want to eat them. I but love then meatballs. sometimes I'm like I I like should I make rice with it? Should I make I don't always I don't make spaghetti. I don't make pasta to go with my meatballs necessarily. So then I'm always kind of thinking, what should I do? And I I've made like you know, like I had a like a spicy yogurt kind of dip thing with them. Great. And all this kind of stuff. This is the first time I would do a soup with a meatball. Yeah, that's a great idea. I haven't done that. Which I think you could do, especially if you made a bunch yeah. of meatballs in advance and then mm-hmm. you'd have them frozen yeah. and ready to add to any sort of soup. Boy, we had some really phenomenal pork meatballs on Twin Cities Live yesterday that Mary Jane Miller made. We'll talk about that in the Apple segment. Uh, yeah, because also... Yeah, those are in my fridge. I ate those. Yes. <laughs> I took some of those home. Yes. Um, so I'm going to post this uh, beef and corn albondiga soup. By the way, it is from the Mexican Instant Pot Cookbook. That was uh, off of, uh, I think it's Pen- Penguin Random House. That's where I get all this kind of fun stuff. Oh, so yeah. I will post that for all of us who are totally IP freaks. All right, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are going to talk about something that is maybe a thing you've looked at in the produce aisle and don't know what to do with. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of this, you know, amazingly sparkling show, of course, you can download it on the podcast. It's available <laughs> wherever podcasts are. Podcast One, however you want to get it. Um, and we do add extra content. So there's always a little bit of extra stuff down the old podcast. Great. Um, so that there's kind of stuff that if you're listening in today, you can always get more by listening again next week or, or during the week. Sure. A lot of people are, I love the fact that a lot of you guys listen to this like on a Monday. Yeah. You know, it's like it's an on demand thing. Yeah. And you're doing your business and you got your stuff going on the weekend. You don't have time. And so then I love that I get these questions on Monday, like, Oh, where did you say this? And what was that? And then I know that you're listening. It's kind of fun. Podcasts are really great. And you can podcast all the shows on my talk one oh seven one. So if you're, you know, feeling like you can't listen at that right time, it's just the same as, you know, DVRing your TV and give a shout out again for your podcast. Oh, thank you. It's called best to the nest, best to the nest. And I host it with my former, my talk one Oh seven, one co-host Marjorie Punnett. Yeah. Who of course you probably know better from the morning show that she did with her husband, Ian for 10 years. And, um, the concept is pretty simple. It's about bringing your best self home that making sure that the outside world doesn't get the best of you and home gets the crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's and true. Hope, our producer here, edits it for us, and we adore Hope. Yay! So we always appreciate her um, helping us make it sound so good. So you can download Best to the Nest anywhere you get your podcasts. Good. Love it. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about something that you could bring to your nest if you want to. Um, let's talk about persimmons. Persimmons, what a joy. I think persimmons is an undersung fall treat. Make your case, sister. What are we going to do with them? hear about it. And if I say persimmons, I think a lot of you are like, yeah, I've heard of persimmons. They kind of look like tomatoes. They do, but I think people would not, if I lined up a bunch of different veg, or fruits and veg in an area, and I said, which one's the persimmon? I don't know how many people would say that's a persimmon. They look like yellow tomatoes. They do. They're kind of orangey. They're kind of weird. And they're kind of, they have a really kind of a, a little leafy hat, almost. Yes. And so it's like, I kind of think of them as, yeah, they look like tomatoes, but they but they also kind of look like tomatillos in the strange way, but not green. Yeah. Like they've got kind of a hat. Um, but I love them and I, they are in season right now. So what do you do? Do you peel them if you're going to just, if you're just going to get a persimmon and eat it at home, do you take a bite out of it? Do you slice it? Here's the thing. There are, uh, there, there's a thing about persimmons that there are two different main kinds of persimmons. Um, and so, and, and if you get the wrong one or you get it during the wrong time of year, it can be pretty bad. Like oh. it can be bitter and it can be astringent and really tough. Um, but they've been cultivated, you know, for thousands of years. And I feel like we're just catching up. Um, but basically there are two varieties. One is called the Fuyu and the other is the Hachiya. Because so, they're Japanese. Uh-huh. Because they're basically, yeah, they're basically Japanese. How wonderful. Um, and before, you kind of want to know which type you're getting because they affect how you're going to cook it. Mm. So the Fuyu is a squat persimmon with a rounded bottom. You know, it's kind of those little like short fatties. Um, and those, uh, those, it can be eaten when they, uh, they are firm or soft. That's the Fuyu. Um, and you want to look for one that has taut skin full of, you know, free of blemishes. And you can just easily cut the leaves away, wash or peel it and slice it as you would like an apple. You can oh. eat it with it, with the peel or without the peel. Okay. Doesn't matter. It's crunchy and sweet. It's best for, sa- it's really good in salads. Um, and you can give it, uh, you can store it at room temperature if you want and then kind of let it soften a little bit if you want it a little softer. Okay. Okay. The hachia or hachaya is elongated and a little bit more of like a heart shape. So you're going to see it's sort of like, you know, same color though. Yep. Same color. Um, and that one you need to eat when it's very ripe. Okay, so that it should only be eaten when firm. So it's or I mean, when it's very ripe, soft, soft, because when it's firm, this one is the astringent one. You bite into this one and it'll be like a bitter, 
punch oh, in the face. It, it's it literally will make your mouth like lose all juiciness. So you want it to be really <laughs> ripe and soft, right? So you get it room temperature, ripened, luscious. It's un, it's aromatic. It's gorgeous. When you you know you can totally basically get that when it's soft, it's going to be beautiful. Do you keep them in the fridge or do you keep them on the counter? You can keep them on the counter, room temperature. Yeah, that's because you want it to kind of get to that point. If they're hard, keep them on the counter. Yeah. You can keep them in the fridge if they're already soft. And they are in season in the fall? Yes. And they are in season. They should be in season right now. Um, and it's uh, one of the things I was going to read you. This This is an interesting thing. There's a Japanese fairy tale about a monkey, a crab, and a persimmon tree. And it's about this monkey trades a crab uh, a persimmon seed for her rice ball and then they turn into this big beautiful tree and they bear this lovely persimmons and then the monkey returns to try to steal all the fruit and then the kids of the crab basically beat her up and, and like if there's like a piece of kelp and an egg and a bee that stings the monkey to get him away from the persimmon tree. like I don't know but Wait, this is need like to fight a battle I mean need a piece of kelp yeah an egg an egg an and exploding a, and a egg <sighs> yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what it is. But I like the way... These are some really good ideas of how to use a persimmon. This okay. um, persimmon and brie crostini I'm this, looking at right now. I feel like you guys should go... Because here's the deal. Like, they are... Uh, you know, they are, they're kind of cinnamony themselves without adding cinnamon. Wow. And actually some of them call themselves the persimmon. Oh, So like cute. if you see persimmons and someone it's called a persimmon, it's because it's got that same kind of good stuff. What I think that the funnest thing that someone did, this was the first time I had a persimmon. Somebody put it in the freezer and you freeze it. And so then it's like this, like kind of frozen fruit. They brought it out so that it was... Kind of saw, you know, they let it thaw a little. They cut the top off and we spooned out like the interior. Oh, like a persimmon granita without yeah. having to make a granita. Exactly. It was amazing. And it was because you don't, it's not like, like you think you're going to get those seedy tomato, you know, it's tough inside. It's not. It's soft and it's beautiful inside. Fabulous. I know. It's more of a solidness than less like, it looks like you think you're going to cut it like a tomato and it's going to have, you know, those like parts that kind of separate and yeah. it doesn't have that. It's just kind of beautiful. Okay, super interesting. I know. Okay, so other things you might want to do with persimmons um, is um, is uh, put them in, uh, like wrap them like pears, like cut them into slices like pears and wrap them with just like uh, ham. Yeah, some sort of prosciutto. That's or an easy thing. Whatever. But that's a beautiful thing. Um, so it seems like it goes really well with pork. Does, I think so. I would actually put them into a sort of a chutney that you would put on pork. I would actually put a little bit of spice to them, cut up some a little uh, crushed red pepper, red peppers, and stew. You know, kind of sauté them a little bit and put them on like a big pork chop. Yeah, does that sound good? I always want a pork chop. I always want a pork chop. A lot of people put them in salads with beets because it's kind of like a citrus note, but without citrus. Okay, you know, and so that's kind of a good the fuyu. Uh, it kind of balances the sunny acidity of it all. So, do you think most? Grocery stores have them. I think you might have to ask for them, you know, but I do think that like Whole Foods has them. Yeah. You know, I bet they're Kowalski's the ones. Has them. I bet Kowalski's has them for sure. If you see them out for sure, you know, report back. Let us know if you've seen persimmons out and about and you want to, you want to say that I for sure I've seen them. I would love to know if anyone has actually cooked with persimmons. Right. You know, but um, there's, I'm going to put up a little like a whole bunch of recipes that you can use. Um, broiled persimmons with mascarpone. Think about that. Cut them in half. Uh, this is so easy, you guys. So you take the fuyu, you half them, you broil them, and then you drizzle them with honey and hit them with mascarpone. Yeah, That's a great dessert. Like, that doesn't take any time or effort. No. Think about it. That's really good. I know. So this is what I'm telling you. Um, I did. I was looking for their... They have a bunch of antioxidant qualities, and they're high in fiber, 
And um, they're, I'm just, I wish I could find it. I'm sorry. In I, Korea, persimmons are said to protect you from tigers. That's right. And I mean, who doesn't want a little extra I mean, tiger protection this time of year? Yes. Oh, listen to this. If the kernel on the inside of the seed is shaped like a spoon, you will have a lot of snow to shovel up. <laughs> well, we know that. <laughs> we know that. If you have, if it's shaped like a fork, you'll have a light winter. <laughs> if it's shaped like a knife, the winter will bring cold winds and cut like a blade. <laughs> there you have it. That's persimmons for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are uh, going to talk some apple orchard tech. Yes. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning. I love hanging out with you. It, was, it is a happy Saturday. It is a happy Saturday. Even if it gets a little soggy later, it's still a happy Saturday. I know. We're talking food, and I haven't even eaten anything today. I'm very hungry. Are you just losing it? Like yeah, you gotta, I'm getting, now I'm getting hungry. Now you got to think about it. Um, one of the things we love to do in autumn the most is to go to Apple Orchards. I'm going on Monday. Are you? Where are you going? Yeah, to Afton Apple. So we do a... My kids' school does a really fun little um, field trip. Yeah. So we take... The kids, we get on a bus, we go, I take a half day, and so we just bust over there, and it's going to be really fun, and they've been counting down the days. I mean... They have a little chain at um, daycare where they rip a little, you know, chain link off every day. Oh, like every day. Yep, to count down to the Apple Orchard Day, because they get so excited, and they really do a great job there. At Afton Apple, I really love, we do a little hayride, and we go to three different areas and get to pick apples. And they're really great about teaching the kids about the apples. Yeah. And that's where I learned that that little sort of um, like waxy dust that is on the apple skin when you pick it. It's not a pesticide spray. Right. It's actually a natural sunscreen that the apples produce that goes on the apple. So if you see apples that look like they have this little like dusty coating on it kind of when you pick them from the tree, it's a natural sunscreen. I did not know that. They produce their own sunscreen. Learning every day. Yeah, so at Afton Apple, they do a really nice job of, um, you know, they're like a well-oiled machine out there. It's definitely, you go in, they've got it all set up. And there are different, certainly different apple orchard experiences throughout the Twin Cities. Yeah. And it's nice to find ones. I like to hit a couple because I like to have a couple different experiences. So, and we are, you know, my common, my favorite one was always out in Delano, you know, just past Delano. And it was um, the fall harvest orchard and it was a real working farm. Yeah. And I took, that's where Jake grew up, like, you know, with piggies running around and chickens and they had, you know, they had like the turkey who ruled the roost and like all of the good stuff. It was an actual working farm and they had to, you know, uh, Carl Peterson, who was a farmer, he passed away and they had struggled with trying to keep it and they sold it to another family. Family who wanted to continue the tradition, wow. and I haven't been out there. I didn't get out there last year, but I will. I, I I love that aspect of it. It can still be fun, but it's still a real working farm. Yeah, there's something really great. I think too, um, you know, that when you go to these big apple orchards where it's it's a little bit more manufactured in terms of the fun because they have like a huge store and they've got a real operation and all of that. There's something lovely about going to these really tiny small places where. It's family owned and they live on the farm. And that's where we talk about like Sweetland Orchard. Yes. Which is in um, Elko Newmarket. And so it's south. So you head south on 35 and just keep going until you see the little sign. Yes. And then you get off and you just drive through and you're thinking as soon as you exit and you drive to that orchard, I think, why am I not living out here? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing wrong? (laughs) You've run through that. Already, like, I go through it yeah, every single time. Every time, but that's you know Gretchen and Mike and their kids live right there on, on the, the on the farm, and it's an orchard, but it's a farm, and they have animals, and they have chickens, and they have pigs, and they have all sorts of good stuff, and the dog runs around, and it's less about sort of like 
you know, buying kind of kitschy things. And yeah. it's more about just walking around and just walking through the orchard. And then the other cool thing that they do there is um, they grow super old apples. Mm-hmm. So when Gretchen was on Twin Cities Live yesterday, every year we have her in to just bring like crazy old apples that you never see places yeah. and have us taste them. And we tried this um, hibernal apple. Yeah, what'd you think? That is the most tart thing I've ever had in my life. I mean, it's so tart. You put it in your mouth and you just like start to pucker and nobody wants to eat it. I mean, you don't just like grab it off the tree and eat it, but right. you use it for cooking. So you can use it in pies. You can use it in all sorts of desserts. And it was one of the first cold, hearty apples. Right. That um, grown in Excelsior by was, Elmer Swenson, right? That was the wealthy. Oh, that was the that yeah, was the this wealthy. one. The hibernal was the one um, that was mentioned it back in 1901 by the Minnesota Horticultural Society, and the wealthy apple is another one that um, was one of the first ones that in 1868 yeah. was grown by Peter Gideon in Excelsior, Gideon, Minnesota. That's and that's relevant. she told this amazing story about how he used his last eight dollars yep. to buy a bag of seeds from Maine and the wealthy grew from one of those seeds. And then um, his wife was like, you're going to spend our last eight dollars. He was not psyched. No, he did. He did it. And then turned out do, to do really well with that apple here in Minnesota. So when you can go to the orchards, especially some of those smaller ones where they're growing apple varieties that you might not find other places, it's super cool. Yeah. It's, you know, and bringing back those kind of varieties is really part of what I think is making our, I mean, we have an apple growing heritage, you for know, sure. it's been, we've been doing it for a long time. Obviously we're the birthplace of the Honeycrisp and that only happens because we already had a really good, you know, apple growing heritage happening here. Um, but I think that it's some of the cider makers. They're the ones who are pushing for They are pushing it. They're like the best thing to happen to apples since the, you know, the University of Minnesota. Yeah. And then since, you know, Mr. Gideon and Excelsior back in 1868. Yeah. They are totally pushing it because they want different flavors. Because you need, if you think about the sweet apple that you bite and you're like, this is an apple, that's great. But when you're making ciders, you really, when you're pressing those apples, you have to have different nuances. You want a different flavor. You want something, you know, kind of leveled in different areas. And have you ever been out to Keepsake? No. Okay, so in in Dundas, Minnesota, which is uh, just a little bit farther south than Gretchen, um, and uh, it's it's Keepsake Cidery, and what they have done is I walked out there, I went and did a tour a couple years ago when they were still kind of in their initial phases, Yeah. but they bought this land that had trees on it, but then they planted a whole like 100 plus more of these varieties that were obviously like you know, were English and Spanish and different kinds of apples that would make better ciders. Great. And so they now finally have like on weekends, they have festivals and all this kind of good stuff. They might have one this weekend Music or next on the weekend. farm today. Yes, today. And they have like a grilled cheese situation out there. They do toasties and they do all, they have live music. They've built out, you know, like a patio thing for them. But that cider, and you can buy the cider in town, Heart Keepsake Cidery. Um, and they they just have a really great approach to it that's artisanal, but intentionally not, you know, typical. It's really cool that they're using wild yeast uh-huh. to ferment their cider. I've been like really obsessing over fermented foods and my fermentation just frenzy is going to start as soon as my kitchen is done. Yes. I've got crocs at the ready and I am going hard with the fermentation. Are you really? I'm going to eat everything fermented. This is like that's anything, anything I'm going to eat is going to be fermented. And so... 
It is really interesting. I was listening to um, a podcast talking about fermented foods and fermented ciders in particular. And that is where you get, you know, big commercial cideries use non-native yeast. They use like yeast in a packet, essentially, because they want that consistency all the time. And when you can use the native yeast, number one, it's so good for you. It's like it's super good for your gut health, which is like crazy to think about when you're thinking about an alcoholic beverage. But it's fermented and it also um, gives you just nuanced flavors that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else mm-hmm. yeah it is keepsake this keepsake is, is a good sign i've for never you. tried this i know this is why i come on this show <laughs> the things this is why you learn. I show up i mean i regularly listen obvi but, i mean um, when i'm here then it's just a given that's really fun so sweetland too they do i mean you can do tastings of the ciders when you go there which yes. is really fun so it's a nice opportunity to get to try and they literally them. press theirs on an old apple press in their you know garage i'm a fan of number 12 ciders number 12, number 12 is great and they opened and if you can't get you know out to buffalo yeah they which, open a tap room yeah which is a really and they're doing their ciders there that is just really they're doing some experimental stuff too like small batch that's what i think is cool about ciders you can do these small batch things and sort of ferment and see how it goes and you know i think there's just a lot i think cider is one of those things that i i've always been wishing for it to go and if you've only had like the stella artois or christmas like cedra or whatever just know that there's i mean you know we were at a place they were talking about um doing entire dinners harvest dinners with just ciders and that's such it's like such a good food pairing. It's like wine. These yeah. are not these sweet, sicky things. Yeah. These are amazingly dry, you know, with a lot of good acidity that balances with rich foods of fall. And you might find, you I know? mean, if you're not a beer drinker for whatever reason, I mean, I love beer, but I'm a one beer girl yep. because I get real full in the tummy. And cider doesn't do that. No. I mean, it sits really well with me. And it also makes me feel... um I feel better drinking cider than I do white wine. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you kind of learn like what works for you. Mm-hmm. I just like, I order cider everywhere I go. Yeah. I just love it. I think it's so fun. And it's, it's totally, and it does pair great with food. Yeah. It's so I am it's going to free. this keepsake. You got to go. This it is totally your gig. And I'm just going to purchase everything. Oh yeah. Do it. I think you should, I think you'll have a good time. And it's like, you can kind of run around. It's fun. Fabulous. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You guys, we come back. We are going to, uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to talk about some other fun stuff that's happening in town. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. It's been fun. And um, hopefully you are in the mood for harvesty fun stuff. It's uh, happening. It's happening. the season. We're saying it. I know. I love filling in. Thanks for having me, Steph. Thanks for coming. This has been, I mean, of course, we'll see you next week. So it's kind of a, it's a twofer. I'll be back. Um, Big news. Let's just talk about the one thing we haven't talked about, which is the uh, new Rosedale food court. I know. This is, um, this is an exciting concept. And I, I got the big press release about it and then wrote back and said hey guys i think this is right on yeah this is really a good thing you know they've got that beautiful space in rosedale for all of these food vendors and the last concept just didn't work yeah and so they are coming back and they're really hitting the local heart and then of course one of our own jason matheson i mean i think the news of the hour is jason matheson is opening a biscuit shop a biscuit shop a biscuit shop in Rosedale and yeah. he is so excited about this. It's I saw him cute. on Friday and he's just like beaming and um it's his this is for his 
paternal grandparents in honor yes. of them and their biscuit recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, his papa's recipe, yeah, that he has been making for years and has really tweaked and perfected. And he's talked about these biscuits forever. And now we're all going to get to experience them. And then he was describing for me all of the different like biscuit varieties that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I hope that there's some sort of opening party that one gets invited to. I believe that one should expect some sort of a, yeah. No, that's, I'm very excited for them. And the fact that he is a TV personality and radio personality who then partnered up with Adrian Odom, who is a wicked genius at pastry. Great. And a baker who has spent her life really understanding how to put technically beautiful things out for volume. For volume, because that's the key. Because Jason can make those biscuits in his sleep. Sure. Um, but he can't, you know, he's not going to be there baking. No, let's be clear on this people. He doesn't have time. He doesn't have time. He doesn't have time, but he is, I I'm sure going to be, I mean, I know very, very involved. And then he understands how to get an expert in there who knows how to create it for the masses. Right. But all the different flavors sound so good. He's going to have a jalapeno one. Mm-hmm. He was saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want it to be called jalapeno biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's going to be like, uh, yeah, he's going to do a cheddar biscuit riff. Right. The Red Lobster cheddar biscuit. Absolutely. You'll be able to get gravy. Yes. That you can serve with any of the biscuits. It's a great idea. And I was saying to him, I said, you know, this is such a great way for someone like you who loves food, who loves restaurants to have a restaurant. Because the idea of opening like a full service sit down operation, if you're not going to be there every day. Um, is tough, and this is such a brilliant thing because it's something he's so passionate about. Well, and I like the idea, too, of doing kind of, you know, doing one thing that you're really good at. Yes. Let's do more of that. That's where my ramen shop situation comes in. That's yes. where, like, I want, I love it when people just do one thing, and I'm happy to show up and support that, you know? And have it be really great. Yes, I'm super excited for that. And then there will be other things that we are excited about there. Justin Sutherland has um, a spot there as well. Mm-hmm. So Two. He's doing a hummus bar called great. Chickpea. I know, right? And he's also doing a fried chicken and noodles bar called Obashan, which is, of course, Japanese for his for grandmother, which Fabulous. is this is all an homage to her. That's so, wonderful. And then you also have, um, you know, the Nordic waffles mm-hmm. kids are going to open their first brick and mortar type stand, their first solidly rooted stand. Listen, I like those Nordic waffles. I think they're tasty. I am not mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like them. I like some of them better than others. That's, you know what I mean? That's but, always going to be the yeah, case. Yeah. And like the smoked salmon one, I thought was great. I just, the whole Pebbles and Bam one was too much for me this year at the fair. But that's not like a canceling. That's just a personal thing. The Al Pastor one at the fair was delicious. Yes. So there's that. There's, um, you know, all sorts of, uh, what was the other one that I wanted to make sure to call out? It was the, um, well, I mean, Burger Dive, which yeah. is, of course, you know, I think that's fun that the Smack Shack guys are doing Smack Shack, but they're also doing Burger Dive, which is good burgers. And here's the deal, kids. Meat raffle and pull tabs in the mall. Great. What? Why not? Great. I know. Let's have it. So that's what's going on there at Fun. the, and they're hoping to open, you know, November-ish. Okay. But let's think about holiday shopping. So you think I'm going to be able to get the lobster roll at Smack Shack yes. in the mall? Yeah. I 100% know you are. Okay. Well, that feels pretty good. That feels pretty good. Yeah. That's nice. Um, a couple other things that are opening that are important to know about the Stillheart Distillery and Cocktail Lounge is coming to North Loop. What's that? This is Lawless Distilling, which, Great. you know, of course, does the Miracle Christmas Bar every winter. Yep. Um, they are sort of, they've branched off and they've sold, you know, the, the husband wife team has, the wife is divested of Lawless and now she's opening this Stillheart Distillery in the North Loop because you can't 
own two. Oh. You have to own, you can only own one. You got to divide and conquer. It's the thing. That's it's fair. the silly little loss. Um, and they are, oh, but here's what I love about this. She's opening a distillery that is a cocktail lounge and she's basically distilling for the cocktail lounge. They're not, you're not going to buy bottles of Stillheart. You're not going to go out and find them on shelves. It's not competing with anybody else. It's basically distilling small batch super intently for their own cocktail program. Wow. It's kind of interesting. It's very cocktail nerdy, but like, I think this is that real craft that goes into saying, I want to make the best gin possible for my one martini. I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of crazy. That's brilliant. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know what I mean? If you think about the way that it's going to be supported by, you know, they obviously know what they're doing because they've been doing it already. And so this is sort of a different area and a different way of seeing it. And I love the fact that it's not about driving a product. It's just driving, you know, kind of creativity. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to say about that. Okay. That'll be really fun. I'm excited. So that's coming probably December ish. Um, and bitter cute boys are all part of that as well. And then I wanted to, uh, this is a really fun thing tomorrow. Open streets. In Kingfield. Right. Have you done the open streets thing? I never, I no, I've okay. never done any open, it always happens on like, times I've got other stuff going on. I know, I know. Well, this one is tomorrow on Sunday and it's supposed to be a gorgeous day and they shut down West Lake to 46. Yes. On Nicolet. And it's, Kind of the best place because Ola Arepa's over there. They're having a parking lot party. Yes. Pat's Tap is having a parking lot party. Ramen Kazama is having a parking lot party. And they're having Harmar Superstar play. And it's like bands and food and also it's the it's I think this is the best open streets of the year. Okay, that's really good to know. So and all you have to do, you guys, is park somewhere and then walk because it's no cars are allowed. So everyone bikes or walks or like, you know, roller skates or whatever. People don't roller skate. You could get on those crazy lime scooters and you know, just put your life in the you hands can. of fate. I know, my God. Um, <laughs> but there's also some, there's, well, I mean, you know, it's Oktoberfest too. Like, I do know that. People are just going crazy. This weekend is kind of the real official kickoff, and then next weekend will be insane. But if you want, uh, I, my favorite is going to be the Fair State, you know, kind of, co- they call it Co Optoberfest. Cute. Because they're, you know, Fair State Brewing. It's also their fifth anniversary it's today, and they are doing, they have lots of great bands and they have lots of fun stuff. They have such good beers at Fair State Brewing. Honestly, they really do. They're they making really do. great stuff over there. I know. I love it. Um, but if you're looking for something a little different tomorrow is the Vulcan Booyah oh, at boy. Mancini's. Yeah. Have you done Booyah? No. You got to do a Booyah. I, I want to do Booyah. Tell yeah. me more about it. Okay. So the Booyah, do you know what Booyah, you know what Booyah is though, right? No, I never had it. What? I've never had it. Okay. This it's is, like a big soup. Oh, we're going to have to talk about this next week. <laughs> we don't have time. It is. It is a community soup. It's like a big kettle. It's like a stone soup. It's a stone soup. Yeah. And they cook it for like, you know. 24 hours. So what are the classic things that have to be in a booyah? I mean, people will tell you that there is, has to be oxtail and some people will say no. But there's usually some sort of like a braised beef and some pork and then lots of, you know, vegetables that get added obviously at the last minute. Great. There's, there's a different, everyone has a different recipe. It's kind of a big beefy stew though, in my mind. I'm totally on board with any sort of beefy stew. And you just walk up and you get $5 a cup. Yes. And it's a fundraiser. And places like North St. Paul Fire Department have been doing it since the 1930s. Whoa. And you can buy, you can bring your own kettle to the North St. Paul one and they'll put it in, you're like, give me the kettle, here's like a kettle and they'll fill it up and then you go home and you freeze it. No. Yeah. Like, it's like she booyah for the rest of the winter. Fabulous. I know. They do it, they do it like large and in charge for real. And that one isn't until next, like October, it's in October. So I, I will, maybe we will talk about this next week. Yeah, we should because I think it'd be fun to talk about the ones that you can go to this season. Yeah. And then the best strategies for making it at home. Yeah. Yeah. Put that in the Farmer's planner Devil for ha- next yeah. week. Let's do that. So let's stop talking. <laughs> Unless you want to go this Sunday to Mancini's, be there at 11 a.m. is all I'm going to tell you. 
because that's important to that get there good. early. Um, one thing I do want to mention too is that it is we are launching a new thing this September, kind of into October. Called it's Cocktail Week. And on Monday, this is through the magazine. Well, it's it's in conjunction with the Bartman Group and a bunch of other people. Um, but Monday, I am going to be hosting a mixer. It's called Mix Her. It's a cocktail panel with lady distillers. Great. Red Stag Monday, six o'clock. Show up. It'll be fun. And All then the we'll info. talk about Cocktail Week next week. I love this stuff. Thanks for having me. This has All been right. the most fun. Thanks, Miss Elizabeth Reese. <laughs> See everybody else. Ciao, ciao.